The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. What's up, it's Ocean. What's up, it's your man Crucial. Make sure you guys check out our new single, on September 18th, do what I want. It's gonna be available on all platforms. Make sure you check it out, download it, share it, dance, have a good time. And make sure you check us out on Cherry's World Podcast Live. Watch the full interview now with Pins Deep on the official Cherry Johnson YouTube page. Cherry's World is brought to you by Less Is More Events. Get in line. This is Cherry's World. Making Memories Sale Series. It's a sale that allows families and people in our communities in any city, state, or showtime to attend a series of events at a lower price than most, such as like the Trolls Live, Disney on Ice, the Universal Soul Circus, concerts, sports, and more. Contact Less Is More Events at 202-930-3533. Again, that's 202-930-3533. Visit the website, getlimetickets.com. They're on social media, Facebook, IG, Twitter. Less is more events. Get out and lime. If you're listening to Cherry's World Podcast on Apple Podcasts and iTunes, please give us a five star. Let us know what you think. Leave us a review. I want to hear from you. Thank you. Would you like to advertise on Cherry's World and have your product placed on Cherry's social media for the world to see? Email us now at cherriesworldpodcast at gmail.com for low introductory rates. Cherry's World Podcast. Get heard. Welcome to Cherry's World. I am happy to show you guys the best thing to come out of 2020. It's called the Stress Phone. It's a cool new stress reliever with a digital link to the emotional healing box. You can get yours today at stressphone.com. And by the way, the Stress Phone is a black-owned business. Uh-oh. I have been trying to get this interview for like a year, people. A year. Courtney knows this man right here is living, has lived my entire dream. If there's anybody that I ever wanted to be in my life, it is him. Ladies and gentlemen, we've got Mr. Charlie Batch in the house. <laughs> How are you, young lady? Hi, baby. Charlie, that's Courtney. Courtney, that's Charlie. Legend, What's up, legend. What's, What's up, Mr. Courtney? How you doing, sir? I'm doing good, sir. Good, good. Thanks for having me on. I, I appreciate you, you know, uh, finally allowing me and blessing me the opportunity to be on this podcast. So I appreciate you. Look at that background back there. Right, it's beautiful. <laughs> finally, he's clowning me, people, because I asked Charlie last year in the middle of football season. I forgot. I forgot. Mm-hmm. Charlie and I are neighbors. 
since we were kids. We're both from the same hometown. I'm a Pittsburgh girl. He's a Pittsburgh boy. But Charlie is still doing huge things in Pittsburgh. And I want to talk to you about the Batch Foundation. Yes, we're exciting. It's exciting because we have an opportunity now. We're celebrating now our 21st year uh, in existence. And it's something that really started many moons ago because I lost my sister to census gang violence um, in my hometown. And it was something I was still in college. I was at Eastern Michigan University. And I said, if I was ever in position to give back, I would. And, you know, they had to go through all of that and dealing with census gang violence. And um, I was fortunate enough to be able to uh, get drafted by the Detroit Lions in, in 1998. And at the end of that season, that's when I started my foundation. And we did some one-off programs in Detroit, and then we transitioned that into Pittsburgh. And the name of the foundation is Best of the Batch Foundation. We are an educational foundation. Uh, we focus mainly on our reading computer literacy programs along with our STEAM programs. So doing some early po- uh, programs, and then all of a sudden it just kept growing and growing and growing. And now as we celebrate our 21st year, we now celebrate, we now uh, service over 3,800 kids annually throughout Southwestern Pennsylvania. So we're excited about that. Charlie, you done bought the damn block. I need to know how you came about buying the whole block. <laughs> well, this is something that we started talking about. Um, hopefully my feed is a lot better Much um, as I'm talking to you. Okay. So literally we started talking about expanding. So if we've been in our office building, over 15 years now. So it was something that we knew we were growing. Um, you know, we were taking every inch of space and we're like, man, we need to expand. What is this going to look like in a couple of years? Maybe we just acquired a building next to us and expand there. And that probably would have added about 4,000 square feet to the building. And then at that point we said, Hmm, there's an pop that brand abandoned property uh, tax that you can take. And if you're a nonprofit within 500 feet of an abandoned building, you actually uh, can, uh, they'll deed you the property, uh, free and clear. Well, it's not mainly popular in Pittsburgh, but it's, it's, it's done a lot up in Philadelphia. So that allowed us to get to the next parcel. And then all of a sudden, we were work with the bank acquired property. Uh, they were asking ninety thousand for it. And at that point, we said, "Hmm, we're going to approach them. We're going to tell them about our project and see if they come down a little bit." And at that point, we told them what we were doing, and they went back, had a meeting, and they said, "You want to know what? We'll give you the property for eleven thousand." Oh, really? That's huge. Really? So we're like, man, this is possible right now. I'm thinking they're going to come back with some astronomical number at that point. So they ended up coming back. And all of a sudden, it was just like, now we have everything under our control. We have site control. It allows us to now go to the borough, go to the county, let them know what we're looking to do. And then from there, everything now that we were been able to add is 33,000 square feet to our existing building. So this will help expand our STEAM programs, and in addition to our reading uh, computer literacy programs. And a lot of people here talk about STEM, but we always say uh, STEAM just because we want to add the arts element to it. So now let's get your, your young ladies, they get excited about this. And going and putting it all together, you know, it's about a year or so, just development plans and whatnot. And then all of a sudden, whenever we did the groundbreaking process, it was like, whoa, this is for real. Like, this is ready to happen. And then, of course, we started uh, all the groundbreaking happened. Then we ran into COVID. We had to shut down for 52 days. We just started back up here in the middle of May. And to see them now laying the concrete, you're talking about the poles that are cemented into the concrete foundation. They actually had to pin our building. I'm like, what is pinning a building? They're like, we have to pin it just in case it doesn't fall over with the addition that you have. 
added on. So to watch that all happening, and a lot of the kids in our community, they don't see homes being built from the ground up. So this is all new to them. So we've asked all the contractors and whatnot who's on site, we said, you want to know what? If you have kids, stop by because they're interested. Please stop and explain what you're doing to these guys. You know, so now maybe it now, you know, gets them thinking about, man, I could be a contractor. Maybe I could be a laborer, whatever that looks like for them. But it's always cool to see people just watching and observing as this building is being built. And when you talk about half the block, and I know I sent you over uh, pictures, Cherry, about what this is going to look like. Man, you're talking about all activity space and then a gymnasium on the other side, man. So this is going to be a great addition to the community. We're allowed to show that on this show, right? If you want to show it, please, by all means, yes. I want to show everything, Charlie. Not only are you my friend, (laughs) I'm a huge fan of yours. And I'm a huge fan not only of your career, but of the man that you are because your heart is unmatched. Who tells the construction workers, please let the kids come by and let them know what it is that you're doing? Like, this is not a show. I just, I wanted you on here because I want people to know you like I know you. This is not a show. This is who this man is. He's golden, Courtney. No, I appreciate that. And this is something that, you know, when we talk about the kids and whatnot, we know college isn't for everybody. You know, that's something, okay, for whatever reason. So, but we want to make sure that these kids have a plan. And if that's, that goes out there, learn a trade and you want to own your own business, by all means do that. So we're hoping that maybe this project expedites somebody's, you know, excitement about owning their own business. And we want to make sure that we're providing that blueprint for these guys to be able to do and and girls to be able to do anything that they want to possibly do. So, you know, this is new. And, And of course, when you lay a project out like this, something that's never been done, of course, you're going to be met with some resistance because they don't know, they don't understand what's going on. So when we open up the doors and we try to go out there, you know, be tra- as transparent as possible, we're not hand- we're not hiding anything. And this is something that as we now, you know, been over the last 20 years and we look forward to the future, man, this is going to be exciting with what this building is going to bring to the community for the next 20 years and beyond. And what he's been doing for the community for the past 20 years. Can I toot your horn a little bit? And I don't even know if you really want people to know all this, but I just want Courtney <laughs> to know. <laughs> and, and Cherry's world, you going to know. But Charlie was taking homeless people off the street and taking them to the dentist and getting their teeth fixed. Mm. And he wasn't doing it with press or for publicity. He was just doing it because that's who he is. Charlie... What even made you think about that? People think about feeding the homeless. They think about maybe clothing the homeless. What made you think about their hygiene and their making sure their teeth were okay? Well, one of the things that kind of started with us was, um, you know, you had health taking out of schools and they're not talking about this anymore. They're not talking about hygiene in the schools and people are learning this on the internet. And that's unfortunate. That things are thing like this. So you'd be surprised. You know, we have kids coming in and all of a sudden we're sitting in there. It's like, all right, hands up. Left, right, sniff, sniff. Okay. You want to know what? We have deodorant packages for you. You know, so we're not trying to make fun of them. We're just trying to have those conversations that they're not necessarily having at home. So it's just something that really when we, you know, we try to do everything. We don't promote everything that we do because we never want to invade on people's privacies. Uh, but it's just something that we've learned over the years. It's, you know, it's, it's not a cookie cutter approach. We learn a lot of different things moving forward. So it's just stuff that we try to do, continue to do our small part. And we have fantastic partners. They started out as sponsors. Now sponsors is now, are now partners. 
And we have a tremendous amount of volunteers that help make this happen throughout a calendar year. So it doesn't matter if it's hygiene, doesn't matter if it's mentoring, doesn't matter if it's tutoring. You know, we try to provide that in our computer labs that we have within our buildings. Golden. That's all I can say is golden. Because I, w- I wish that more people, and I won't say athletes or actors or entertainer, but more people would engage and give back or even think about their community the way you do us. And I say us because that's still my home. Yeah, and it's, and I've been fortunate because, you know, a lot of people went throughout their career, you know, chances are of you starting and finishing your career in the NFL is slim to none. Then you talk about the average career is only three years. I only know two cities. That's Pittsburgh and Detroit. Born and raised in Pittsburgh, went to Eastern Michigan, played my first four years in Detroit, and then came back home to Pittsburgh and played with the Steelers for 11 years. We went to three Super Bowls. We won two. So when I'm talking about being home, I'm not like two hours away from home. I'm 10 minutes it's away from mom's house home. So it's always good and bad. You know, when I'm home, the good part was I was home. The bad part was everybody wanted tickets and you just couldn't accommodate that because you're so close to being home. But it was one of those things that, you know, you sacrifice money, a little bit of money by not moving, but understanding what the legacy that we're, we're trying to pr- uh, provide for our family. And when you do that, it's meeting the right people and, and them understanding what you're trying to do. And once they were understanding what we were looking to do, it allowed the relationship to blossom into what we what you, what we're talking about here today. Was it easy from the beginning? No, because it was hard. It, it was tough because you know you're just dealing because so many people are competing for different uh, buckets of money and whatnot. But we were just trying to prove that number one we can sustain, and once we were able to sustain, then we went out there and built those partners so we can show that number we we are here and we plan to be here for a long time. Um, how does it feel? to play in college in Michigan and then get drafted. You know what I mean? Like that's, and then, and then be from Pittsburgh and then be able to play. Like that normally don't happen. Like, you know, I mean, LeBron James is like one of the few people I know that played in his city and got drafted by his, you know what I mean? So like, how does that, right. how does that feel, man? I think for me, it was, it was a little different. I mean, I was a young pup. I didn't know any better, you know, <laughs> in college. And then all of a sudden, 45 minutes, I move up the road to play for Detroit. Now I'm just happy to be in the league, but when you look at some of those struggles that were happening up there, they never won. They haven't won a championship since 1957. You're trying to break through all of those barriers that way. And they, and as we struggled, you know, of course the quarterback gets all the blame. So I could have easily went into my shell after that four years, they brought a new regime in general manager, head coach. And all of a sudden it was like, Oh, Charlie stinks. But if I believe that, then I wouldn't have continued to thrive and do some of the things that I wanted to do. That just now, when I shifted back to Pittsburgh, it got to the point of now proving to this organization that I can play. And then if the opportunity provided itself, go out there and win some games. Now I was fortunate enough to do that and being home, it weighs a lot more because when you're home, man, and you're criticized, the whole family hears it. So when you walk out on the field and you play, you have like, man, look here, I don't want to do anything to disrespect my grandmother right now. I don't want my grandmother <laughs> to be sitting here and talking about Charlie stunk last night, you know, and last yesterday's game and whatnot. So you think about some of those things. So it was just one of those things of making sure that I had to do what I needed to do on the field and that allowed me the opportunity to continue my career another 11 seasons. And when I talk to you and I'm like, man, 15 years in the National Football League, there's not many people to do so. And for me to sit back and say, yes, I'm one of those guys, man, I, you know, I wear that with a badge of honors, but at the same time, I want people to hopefully appreciate me more for what we're doing off the field than what we've done on the field. That is beautiful.
This is Cherry's World. All right, let's take some time out to talk about one of our new sponsors this week. Do you know anyone with less than perfect credit and looking to make an additional income working from home? Then you need to talk to Herschel Miller. In less than five minutes, learn how to change your financial future forever. You can reach Herschel direct at 480-453-9345 or by email at teamdestiny623 at gmail.com. Follow Herschel on Instagram at Mr. H. Miller and use the promo code CHERRY. Get ready to change your financial future forever. I just, I just, I gotta go back, Courtney. I'm sorry. I know you, you want to talk football, and I, I gotta say something about football. I still hold a grudge. You say that you went to the Super Bowl three times. You definitely got us there the third time. And I believe if you would have stayed in the game, you would have had that Super Bowl. <laughs> Fortunately, I'm gonna blame the quarterback because Big Ben came back in. He tried, and I, I don't. You ain't gotta say nothing about it. But I'm just gotta say my piece. Um, he came back in the game, still injured, and lost the fucking game for us. And I'm still bitter, Ben. You just need to go somewhere and sit down. <laughs> well, well, I, I, my 11 years with the Steelers, I, I was in that room with Ben for nine of those 11, man. And he's a great guy. Don't get me wrong, you know. But I had to do everything in my power to leave from behind. So I had to kind of teach him everything in my experience as a starter, but also let him from a young player's perspective grow and have the type of career hopefully he wants to have. I'm proud of him. And I know there's, you know, a lot of people are frustrated for whatever reason, but I'm proud of him the way that he fought, the way that he rebounded and ultimately is leading on the field. But when you look back and you talk about that season, about going and losing the Super Bowl, they haven't been back since. So no, you, you look – in 2008, they won the, we won the Super Bowl, but when you talk about getting there, man, it's tough to get there. And you know in Pittsburgh, the organization, they only celebrate Super Bowl winners. They don't celebrate division winners or thank you for getting us to the Super Bowl. No. So that team in 2010 won't even be brought back to be celebrated. So I know now, you know, Ben is one of the few people that is on that roster, if not the only person on that roster. So I know it burning him up inside before his career ends that he wants to get back and get Pittsburgh that seven Super Bowl trophy. And I'll be there supporting him even now that I'm on the media side. And that's nice because I'm still mad at him because <laughs> you did all the work and you did it so good. Well, I, I can't say that I did all the work, but, I, you know, you, you play your part. And that was something that, you know, you play, you do what you can. But at the end of it. At some point, you have to hand the keys back over. And I knew that was my role on this team as the backup quarterback. And that's just something that you have to live with because that's what I signed up for when I had to sign my name on that contract. They didn't say, Charlie, we're bringing you here for the starter. We're bringing you here to back Ben up. So I had to understand that role, and I was completely fine with that. Well, let's stay right there. Um, you were there when um, Antonio Brown first got there? Yes. 2010 was his first year. Yeah. Uh, so you saw the the growth, right? And, uh, and him and what, what what do you think? I'm not I'm not a big Pittsburgh Steelers fan, so I don't know everything. I just I'm a football fan, so I keep up with what I keep up with. Um, it was a big hit he took. I uh, forget when, but you you know he took a the big Bengals hit. game in the playoff game, right? Do you yeah. think this the, the 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 thing that we and my buddies we talk about what made him go over the top? is that big hit that he ain't been right since then. How do you feel about Antonio Brown overall and what what people are saying? 
Yeah, I mean, a lot of people talk about that hit, and a lot of people say, man, is that the hit that kind of took him over the top? It's hard for me to tell because I'm not in the brain of his. All I know is I saw him at a young age. You see him grow and and, and get everything that he, he that he earned. He earned everything, quite frankly. But then you look at where he was going, and it, to me, it just seems like the wrong people were around it. They weren't giving him the right advice. And then ultimately, when he had the, made the decision to leave under the circumstances that he did when the team was in the playoff hunt, he said, I'm not coming to practice. I'm not coming to the game. Matter of fact, I'll come to the game, but I'm not playing. And that just rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. He literally was on the sideline, Jerry, and would not go in there and suit up. It was like, wow, like, okay, you made your decisions. And then all of a sudden, he forced his way out of Pittsburgh. He gets to Oakland, forced his way out of there. Then you go to New England. And one thing about this league, the league will humble you at some point because, mm-hmm. there, you know, you start putting your ego ahead of the team they'll start to bring you down a little bit. And unfortunately for Antonio, he's not in the league. I want him to be in the league. He's like a brother to me because he used to come over to my house the first four years of the league. He would come over, grab something to eat. He would get a massage and he was just one of the guys and he was still was one of the guys. So I still consider him a brother. It's just unfortunate that when you, he should still be in the league. But for me, I don't think that he will be in the league. And the only reason why is because teams will say, yeah, you were making X amount of dollars when you left this game, close to $20 million a year. They're not going to give him that right now. And mm. somebody's going to say, if you feel like you, we'll give you a chance, but you have to prove it in this particular deal. And I don't think he'll take a prove it deal. And that's just something for me. I'm like, if he doesn't take that type of deal, I don't think we see Antonio into the NFL anymore. And it's just unfortunate. I just hope maybe he, you know, will get that chance, but he should be because he's a heck of a player. Yeah, and he's probably one of the best receivers of all time. But those kind of decisions, like you just said, he left Pittsburgh, went to Oakland, and if he would have just waited to, to and played week one, he would have had his full contract guaranteed, and he forced his way out. I'm just thinking, like, all those erratic decisions, I, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking it might be something to that, that concussion stuff, man. I don't know. I don't know if anybody's even looking into that. Okay. Yeah, it can be. And I think when you look back and like you mentioned, he was only hours away from having a guaranteed $31 million over the next two seasons. But yet he didn't go through with it. And then you have your agent, you know, and that's somebody, you know how that is. That's a business partner. I mean, they're not truly friends. Once you can, once you stop making money for them, you stop having a relationship with those guys. Mm -hmm. And you see that's what's happening right now. His agent dropped him. We won't say the name of the agent on the show, Mm -hmm. but his agent dropped him. So that lets me know that he feels confident that there's no team that's going to pay him top dollar. And he's willing to let another agent deal with the headache at that point. But yet that agent had, he was right there. He could have easily did something about that to help rectify the situation. And he didn't, it's unfortunate. And man, and everything you've seen over the last year, man, is is documented. I don't need to sit back and, and talk, talk negatively about another brother, but it's just at some point, this game will pass us all. At some point, we'll be former a lot longer than active. And at some point, you have to sit back and say, man, where are my relationships at? And all of his relationships were in Pittsburgh. He's going to have to swallow that pride and say, you want to know what, guys? I messed up. I'm mm-hmm. trying to come back. And I want to be part of that organization because he would have held every single receiving record in Steelers history. But because that didn't happen and because they did not win a Super Bowl when he was on this team, mm. there's no reason to sell it. There's no reason to bring that team back or any players from that generation that you look back from that five or six year span. Because, again, like I mentioned, they don't celebrate division winners in Pittsburgh. 
So they yeah. won't bring him back, unfortunately. And that's just it's, and unless and until he is into the Pittsburgh Steelers Hall of Honor, that's when he will be back here celebrated and they will appreciate everything at that moment. But at some point, he's, he has some healing to do. Um, stick and stay right there. What do you think about Drew Brees? Now, uh, Drew will play. I mean, there's no doubt about that. I mean, the money's letting you know he will play. Okay. It's just a matter of, hey, can he now, you know, heal the relationships that, you know, that he had, not, not only among the fans, but his teammates. You know, those relationships he broke. And he now has to rebuild that trust. And it's going to be unfortunate because he, he made a statement, he spoke on video, and then Trump put him into his political views. And now you're opening back up the story again because he's looking at it from a political standpoint. And if you're Drew, you're just like, really, I'm trying to fix the situation. And here you have the president. What did Trump do? I missed that part. And Trump just basically said Drew shouldn't apologize, should not have apologized. People should stand for the flag. And you're like, wow, over the last 24 hours, Drew gave the statement. Drew gave his video on, uh, on, uh, over the Internet. And then all of a sudden, Trump brings this out. I think, fortunately, we'll, again, we'll be talking about this particular situation because now, you know, this is Trump uses the political aspect. And now all of these major stations will now pick this back up and take away from the messaging about the kneeling while we're kneeling. And it's all about the military and the flag, something that they've done a, a terrible job at. About dividing everyone over the last three years. I totally wasn't going to go there with you because I was going to play it safe because I love you. But since we brought it up, I want to talk about the white nationalist kicker that's at the Patriots with the tattoos that he said that he'll have removed. Do you know who I'm talking about? I think his name I, is. I don't know his name, but I know what you're talking about because he tried to cover up the tattoo. Yes, he said that he would have them removed. Do you think that's good? Like, I'm just like, I'm sorry. He can play, but Colin can't. Like, mm -hmm. how much more disrespectful can we get? Yeah, and, and I think that's something, again, that people pick up on a lot of different things because nobody really noticed that as he was heading up into the draft. And then all of a sudden, the draft happened, and then the tattoo became a topic uh, of discussion. So I think this is something that everybody's going to have to deal with because right now, People have to have uncomfortable conversations. And that's what's happening right now in this league. And when you look back, I think the one thing that really was done beautifully, the star players in the National Football League, and they came out and said, on behalf of the NFL players, we demand a change. And man, if people haven't seen that video, that is one that, man, I applaud the players for making a stand in that particular perspective because – you know, three years ago, people didn't do this. No. But now here you are, and you have a lot more players, um, you know, speaking about it. You have every you have every state have now participated in a protest. You have, what, 8, 16 to 18 other countries who have participated in this protest. This is now a conversation that people must have. We, mm -hmm. as Black um, family, we cannot avoid those conversations where other people can just turn on Nickelodeon and shield their kids from it. Right. And deal with it and watch that all that we can't. We have to have that conversation. And those are the things right now that we're forcing it, that we're trying to change the narrative. Just because if you watch that video and you don't have a conscience and you don't think something's wrong with that video, something's wrong with you. Yeah, absolutely. I watched the football players and I, I'm one of those who was like, I'm done with the NFL. If they're not supporting black men, they're not supporting me. I'm not supporting them. I watched that video with all those black players and cried. Mm -hmm. and, and that was that was beautifully done and hats off 
to those guys who did that. And hopefully the NFL has a response up until this point. The NFL has not responded to that. So it's going to be interesting top of the week to see how they respond next week. What do you, how do we get them to respond? I think that comes from the owners. And I think that's, um, you know, you have to start there and, you know, they're going to have to talk about this. I know teams individually have put videos out, but there's going to have to be some type of statement that's, that's put out on their behalf, something that hasn't been done at the, up until this point. What do you think about, like, the white quarterback, someone like uh, Aaron Rodgers, who made – right when Drew Brees made, uh, made his stance, Aaron Rodgers came in with the counter. And, you know, we need those kind of voices because, you know, they're able to go places that where, you know, other, 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 other uh, black NFL players can't go. You know what I mean? So what do you think about somebody like Aaron Rodgers? Like, you know, I don't know if you saw his statement this week, how mm-hmm. he just – you know, how you feel about that? Yeah, I mean, it's great to be able to have the players do that because they're removing themselves personally from the issues. They're like, wait a minute, I want to better understand what these issues are. So he's open to these particular conversations. I think you have the majority of the league that is open to have these conversations because if you don't and you have to go back into that locker room and you have yet to have that conversation, that means it's a distraction because now it takes away from the team goal and what you're looking to accomplish on the field. So as long as each guy is, is willing to open up and listen before making a comment and something that was as demanding as what Drew did and then have to backtrack off of it, man, it's just something that, you know, you hate to see. But I applaud all Aaron for being able to say, you want to know what, you know, I, I agree. I have to, uh, you know, I want to sit back and listen. That, and that goes back with Carson Wentz. I think Carson Wentz did that in Philadelphia. You have quite a few other quarterbacks who have done that. So that's that, you know, that lets you know that obviously the message is working. Tomlin, um, how do you feel about Coach Mike Tomlin? Man, that's my guy. I mean, yeah. Mike Tomlin is when I he is what you see is what you get, man. He's even better, you know, when you get a chance to be around him personally. And this is something that you know when he walks into a room and he wants to share his message, he's clear, he's concise. There, and then when you walk away from it, you understand what he wants. And to see him at a young age, you know, he was only three years older than I was when I was in the locker room. I'm like. Wow. Hey, he's 35. I'm 32. Like, this is crazy. You know, he's wow. like, he's coach, he's coach Tomlin when we're in the building, but when we leave here, what's up, Mike? You know, like, yeah. <laughs> you call your coach outside. And that's kind of our relationship that we had, but we were a veteran team um, when he was brought in here. So a lot of veteran guys were just as old as I was when we were on this team. So to see where Mike Tomlin has started to see where he's at and still doing it at a high level, it's, it, it lets you know, it makes a statement for any, when you sit back and talk about Coach Tomlin and say, this guy has never had a losing record in all of his years. Never. And here he is in Pittsburgh. And when you look back and see what he did last year, you lost Ben Roethlisberger in the middle of the second game against the Seahawks. Mm-hmm. And yet that team was in the playoff hunt in week 17. Like, man, you have to give that guy credit. And he was all, he was my coach of the year last year. Right. And people were like, you giving Mike Tomlin not great? Yeah, I'm giving him because we've never seen Mike Tomlin coach without Ben Roethlisberger. But here you are. And that team was competitive all the way through. Not just Ben. He didn't have his starting running back. He didn't have Antonio. Uh, you know, um, but I, f- I forgot the guy's name. I think his, the guy in Denver said this week, I, I, it might not be Denver, but he said there's no racism in the NFL. He oh, the head the, coach there, yeah. Yeah. And when you look at someone like Mike Tomlin, for example, when um, the year before last, the season before last, uh, Pittsburgh had all that going on. Le- Le'Veon, Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon mm-hmm. Bell. 
I listen to the sports media. They are all saying Mike Tomlin has lost control of his locker room and they blame all of that on him. And they basically were trying to just say Pittsburgh needs to fire him. And I was like, wow, you know what I mean? All this he's done and they're trying to fire him. And then the next season with the season you're talking about, he doesn't have all that and he keeps the ship afloat. And I was like, that just goes to prove like my mom told me, you got to work that much harder just mm-hmm. to even get an ounce of respect for them to blame. Try the media was trying, I, the guy. He was from Pittsburgh. The guy that's on Fox, um, Fox Sunday. Uh, uh, James James Harrison. No, no, no. The, no. Uh, the older white guy. Oh, Terry, the, Terry Bradshaw. Terry, Terry Bradshaw. Bradshaw. Yeah. Terry Bradshaw was one of Mike Tomlin's biggest um, critics. Uh, mm-hmm. Colin Cowherd. I live, listen to Colin Cowherd every day. They were one of their Mike's Mike Tomlin's biggest critics. And it's like you got to work that much harder as a black man to get that respect from your from 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 the media, from your peers and everybody else. And like you said, he did all that. I just want to know that's why I want to know what you thought about. It. Yeah, and I think when you look back even in that situation, you know, a lot of people tried to divide him and Le'Veon Bell, but they understood it's the business side of it. Le'Veon had a decision to make. He walked away from 14 million dollars. He only I mean, only he knows if he can feel like he can get that in free agency. He ended up signing with the Jets. But guess what? When the Steelers played the Jets, guess who was one of the first people over there to give him a dap and a hug? Mike Tomlin was sitting right there. Because they know when you 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 did battles on the field, you won football games, you don't lose that respect. But unfortunately, right. when the business side happens, people try to divide you. They understand it. And this is something that, you know, Le'Veon got what he wanted. He's somewhere else. Unfortunately, they didn't accomplish the goal of winning a Super Bowl together. But that doesn't change the relationship that people have built because you understand where people have come from once they enter the league. And then when it ultimately comes time to getting paid, man, every player deserves every dollar that he goes out there and getting. Le'Veon was able to get his dollars, but people are still going to talk about what they should, what they would have done in his situation when they're not in this this is Cherry's World. Some girls do, some girls don't. Some girls will, some girls won't. Some girls quit, some girls try. But let me tell you about one that's fly. I met this pretty thing named Kate. She was locked up for moving weight. Reading is how she escapes. Her favorite rap is Snoop Dogg and Drake. I just want to take her on a date. Grab a double-double fries and a shake. Excited about her release date. You can find you a soul inmate. Being single doesn't have to be a life sentence. Check out some of the gorgeous ladies on incarceratedbeauties.com and find your What's up, it's Ocean. What's up, it's your man Crucial. Make sure you guys check out our new single on September 18th, Do What I Want. It's going to be available on all platforms. Make sure you check it out, download it, share it, dance, have a good time. And make sure you check us out on Cherry's World Podcast Live. Watch the full interview now with Pins Deep on the official Cherry Johnson YouTube page. Welcome to Cherry's World. For anybody who says there's no racism in the NFL, I want them to do me a favor. <laughs> Sit back and look at the contracts, okay? Of guys who do the same exact job. I'm sorry, but there's a significant difference between what the white players are being paid and what my brothers are being paid. And I have a problem with that. I don't know how salaries work per se, 
but I do know we have something in acting called Favorite Nations. And the top of the shows basically get paid around the same. How come there's no like cap? Like this is what receivers are paid or this is what quarterbacks are paid. Well, let, let me expand on that question before you answer, Charlie, uh, because she's asking, what she's asking is a great question. Um, and I want to add, uh, add to that. Why aren't the NFL players' contracts like guaranteed like the NBA players? And from what I, my understanding is that players can negotiate that when it's time to, for contracts. Uh, I'm talking about when it's time for you all to collectively bargain, but you never do. So I want to add that to her question. Yeah, and, that, and a guaranteed contract is something that the players will always fight for. Unfortunately, they haven't been able to do that. But what are you willing to give to get that? So those are things that, you know, you have to kind of put together. And this year in March, a new CBA was ratified. So that was something that wasn't necessarily uh, bargained for, even though they raised the salaries of the, of the minimum wage guys. Unfortunately, the guaranteed contract didn't happen. Doesn't stop a team from doing a guaranteed contract a la Kirk Cousins, and he was able to get all of his money guaranteed. But when you deal with that, every situation is different. But to Cherry's question, there is a salary cap in the NFL. And the way that the NFL is structured, everything is structured around now, a young quarterback who's not making that much money, you build up the team around him, you can win a Super Bowl. What happens, and this is where now the front office people come in, when you do have to pay your quarterback, guess what? Some people have to exit the, the locker room because there's not enough money to go around. So that's kind of the dilemma that players are faced with. But when you look at what happened in New England, Tom Brady took a, a well below market deal because his family dynamics allowed him to do that. Right. And that built a team and he built a legacy and he ended up winning six championships there. Now, that's the question. How can teams do that? So now when a quarterback wants to get paid, all the money goes into the quarterback bucket and that leaves everybody else forgotten. That sucks. I, I, I don't... I don't want to just talk about football. I, can you tell me the mental health? Because I have some friends who played ball and all of them are not well. Um, those hits in the heads definitely do something, but like the mental health after football, you've been able to sustain and you're fine. But is there anything that we could do to help the guys who aren't? Well, there, there is, there are a lot of things that happen. The NFL has, their particular programs, the NFLPA has their programs. And there's one in particular program that I'll talk about, which is the, it's called the trust and it's powered by the NFLPA. Now this helps players transition away from the game in whatever facet that that looks like, but also understanding when you've played a game since you were seven and then you go through college, you get to the NFL and then all of a sudden the average career is three years. This player is 24, 25 years old and he's done with football. So at that point, there, every player goes through that separation anxiety of no longer having football in their life. And then at some point they fall into depression. When you get to that point now, how can you help that player expedite getting out of that hole from a mental standpoint and move on with the rest of his life? Because if you take a cycle of an NFL player, they go through training camp, they get cut in August. Majority of players, they will continue to train the rest of that season waiting for that phone call. Guess what? They get picked up in March. They go through that same cycle, go through training camp, get cut again in August, and then go through that whole season training and waiting for that phone call. Guess how much time has elapsed? 18 months. So 18 months went elapsed from the time the last the player last received the play, a paycheck. So maybe he his funds are dwindled a little bit in his account, 
but yet he's now suffering through that, that depression stage. So here we come in from a trust standpoint and try to reach these guys where they are. And again, what are you looking to do? Maybe finishing your degree, maybe advancing your degree, whatever that looks like, maybe just getting a physical. People forget about just getting a regular annual physical because guess what? When you report in March, you have mini camp, the team gives you a physical in April. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and that's it. So it's second nature for guys. Now all of a sudden you're like, dang, did I get an annual physical this week, this year? No, I didn't. So it's, these are these learning things. And people always say, ah, football player. That, no, they're human beings too. They that's fall into that dep- depression stage. And we just have to find these guys where they are. And again, over you know 6,000 players have now activated their trust benefit because it's a free benefit for these players. But again, there's 16,000 former players that are still out there that maybe haven't activated their free benefit that they have that's available for them through the NFLPA. So we have to find those guys. And anyone who's listening to this, they actually can go to playerstrust.com and they can go activate their free benefit and they can now utilize the benefits that are there for them. So if a player's listening to it, please, if you know somebody that's out there and they may need help, we're not trying to embarrass anybody. We're just trying from brother to brother to make sure that they activate their benefit that they've earned. You see why I love this man? Like, I for real love this man. Charlie, how many children will you guys be serving when the Batch Foundation opens up? We we currently serve right now 3,800. This number will push us close to 4,400 kids annually. So we are now in eight different counties throughout south, southwestern Pennsylvania, and we hope to now hopefully expand to over 10 different counties. So this is something that, you know, it's, it's exciting and nervous at the same time. We're like, can we now, you know, go out here and, and be able to serve all of these kids? And we feel like we can because we have a great group of volunteers. Our, our staff is unbelievable. And we have a great group of partners that we work with that help and believe in what we're trying to accomplish throughout Pittsburgh. And it's just, just you know, my heart is here. When I left, I'm like, I'm not coming back. When I left in 1992, I'm like, I am not coming back to Pittsburgh. And then all of a sudden, when I got that first taste, one year and i'm like wow all my family's here for thanksgiving like man, this is great like i don't want to go anywhere and that was 2002 and here we are in 2020 man 18 years later i've been back and man i don't want i don't want to leave even though you're trying to get me to get out of pittsburgh and, and go <laughs> expand but I, I i enjoyed i know i know i but i enjoyed i really enjoyed that's why i always invite you when you come home and you know where we're at we want you to stand and celebrate it, you know, with our, in our foundation, because I want these young women to see you as successful black women that have made it. And Courtney, you're, you're all, we're more than welcome too. But when I say Cherry is like the next borough, the next neighborhood over, like literally that's how close she is. But I want people to see her and hear her story. And when you see, yes, this is where I am now, but here's what it took for me to get there. People need to hear those journeys and they need to make sure that they go out there and they can write their own story. But I want them to hear it from people like you because you are the ones that I talk about. You are the one that I sit back and say, no, you see her. She is from here. The same way that I see, you know, a lot of different other people that are here because they need to hear that story. And I do truly thank you. 
and all the support that you've given me over the years. And that's why I always love when we hit Duquesne, the first picture I'm sending is to you, Cherry. I'm like, we yes. are in Duquesne right now. And I'm <laughs> posting it, letting everybody know, guess who your kids is going? And I know they probably bum rush you after that, but I'd be like, guess who your kids <laughs> is going to get to see today? Because my boy is in, I appreciate it so much. There's so much love. Charlie, when is the block going to open? Because when the block opens, can I come teach an acting class? And can I come talk to those girls who are excited about the arts and the young men? Absolutely. And it, right now we were, we were on schedule for spring of, uh, March of 21. But right now, the way that everything is going, we feel comfortable that June, the end of June, beginning of July in 2021, that our center will be open, it will be running, and we will do it way big. And the minute that we know the date, I will put it on your calendar because I'm going to get your butt back to Pittsburgh. And you will be here celebrating and, and, and be prepared to speak because I'm putting you on, I'm putting <laughs> you in front of the mic. <laughs> I'm coming. I'm going to come talk to the kids and I want to teach some classes. Absolutely. I want to tell the kids everything that I know. And I want them to know that, you know, living your dreams. I didn't get to live my football dreams, but <laughs> I got to live my acting dreams. And it's definitely possible. All you got to do is believe in yourself. And that's and something I, that we've always talked about. It doesn't matter what your journey is. Have that plan. And if you don't know what that plan looks like, we're going to put a team to help you figure out what that plan is. But ultimately, you got to hold yourself accountable. You have to, you know, lean on your mentors and people in your family members that can help you get there. And you go out there and accomplish it. And that's something that we've always strived because we always make sure that, you know, we try to push these kids beyond their expectation. But sometimes you have to remove the box and let them figure this whole thing out. And we try to bring it all back together and where there is a support staff because this is something that's very important to us. And that's something that you've done. I can't, I can't let the show slide without talking about the lady behind the Batch Foundation. Mm -hmm. uh, she is the team. And Charlie said, anytime you want to get somewhere, you have to have a great team around you. I got Courtney. That's my team. I got Courtney, Saria, and Toby. That is my team. We got Miss Batch behind the foundation. Mm -hmm. She has put blood, sweat, and tears into making this foundation a dream come true for everybody who knows you, for everybody who knows her, for the whole neighborhood. So I just want to give a shout out to <laughs> and say thank you. Absolutely. Tasha is fantastic. And it's funny because I talk about her a lot, but then she's like, I don't, don't talk about me. No, we know you, you earned it. And there are things that she works it, she does it. I mean, she's a, you know, clinic, a uh, licensed clinician as well. So, you know, the kids love her so she can feed some of those things that as it relates to maybe some of the, the loopholes that they're, uh, that they may be short and those shortcomings within the educational space that she now can help these kids. We work with the guidance counselors. We work with everyone within the district to make sure that we can help put a plan together for the kids and uh, for the family. So she does a phenomenal job. Again, she, Tasha is without her, this thing wouldn't be anywhere near the levels that they are now. And that's something that I truly appreciate because she is, uh, she believed in it, uh, uh, you know, a lot. Uh, she believed in it a lot longer than what some people did and, and to sit back and say, here's the vision. And she went out there and made it happen, man. I appreciate uh, kudos her, to her because that is like I, I could never do that for nobody else. <laughs> so <laughs> you you give up a lot of your life making dreams come true, and she makes dreams come through for children throughout, not just you, not just me, but for children mm -hmm. throughout Pittsburgh. So I just couldn't let the whole interview go by without saying thank you. I don't know. Absolutely you. not. I never met you. You won't peek your head around the camera ever, but thank you. And thank you to all of the volunteers who even came out through COVID to help these children. Right. Absolutely. And anybody who wants to follow what we do throughout a calendar year, they can go to batchfoundation.org and you'll be able to see all of the programs that we run throughout the year. And this is something we try, like I said, we try to be as transparent across, transparent as possible across the board. And we just want to do our small part 
And hopefully we're doing that. How can people volunteer? How can kids get involved with everything you have going on? Yeah, uh, people can go to batchfoundation.org. They actually can go and tab through the programs and they have to let us know what they're interested in. And once they do that, they fill out the contact information. That email comes directly to me. And then from there, we'll reach out to the families and try to put everything in uh, in order uh, to, to make sure that we're providing the services needed for kids. And is that not only for the kids, but if people want to volunteer themselves, they actually can go through, they select a program that they want to volunteer. And again, that email will come directly to me. And that's, again, that's batchfoundation.org. Beautiful. And he really be answering your emails too. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Courtney. <laughs> <clears throat> no, I just want to give both of you uh, breaking news. Uh, NFL commissioner, just says the NFL was wrong for not listening to players on race issues or um, players' concerns. And he also just said uh, Black Lives Matter. So I don't know how well that's going to play with some of the other owners uh, in the NFL, but Roger Goodell, think that might cost Roger Goodell his job? Or? I don't know if it would cost him his job. I just think that now you're starting to see admittance as it relates to the Colin Kaepernick situation, yeah. something that they avoided the conversation. So – here we are, a guy, you know, that lost his career, that gave something up personally, you know, with his job. And now when you see this movement under unfortunate situations, something that he warned everybody about, to all see it come into light, you cannot avoid it anymore. And that goes back to that point of having those uncomfortable conversations that, it, that, they, that have to happen now. And right now you're seeing it when you're seeing everything that you're seeing on TV because Black Lives Matter this rally and this protest is now front and center and is on every television screen. Uh, I got one more question to ask you too, football wise. <clears throat> uh, we just had a comedian on and he was talking about uh, the benefits of marijuana. And I saw that Roger Goodell lifted some restrictions with marijuana in the NFL uh, this year. How do you feel about uh, marijuana for players? Cause you know, we talked about the depression, the anxiety and, uh, and just all the overall pain. Compared that, compared to marijuana, to just popping pills or whatever you guys do to make it, make it, make it to next week. Not you personally. I'm just saying in general. What do you think about uh, marijuana in the NFL? Yeah, I think when you look back, I think there's a lot more information that's known now than it was maybe 20, 30 years ago. And when you see where everything is at at this point, a few years ago, probably maybe close to 10 years ago, there was a group of players who actually filed a lawsuit against the NFL for painkillers. And they were taking so many that it was damaging their kidneys, damaging yeah. their livers. So that was a conversation that people were like, wait a minute, what can we do afterward? Because when we leave this game and you're hurting, I'm dealing with arthritis left and right. And I'm sitting back saying, man, if I take a leaves like I'm taking them right now, man, I may not have a liver or a kidney. Right. So it made me started to think about the medical marijuana piece. I didn't do it when I was playing because I was always afraid to get suspended. I like, I'm about to lose no money off of this because I don't, don't know too much. So, but now, you know, I have my medical card. I'm now exploring, understanding what each strain is doing. And I know other players are doing that as well. So when you see the ease of restrictions that are happening in the last collective bargain agreement, just as, as late as March, that you see it now for players, they're now accepting that. My personal belief is, They'll allow it to happen whenever they figure out a way to tax it and they figure out a way to where to send the players to go get it to make sure that they're monetizing off of this. So mm-hmm. that's just my personal opinion as far as where I'm thinking that it's going with it. But, yes, it's here. People understand it. And it's just a matter of figuring out what's, what's right for you. And it's a lot safer than what you're seeing out here in these other drugs. That's right. Oh. 
This is Cherry's World. You can bend it, squeeze it, switch it, squash it, toss it. It's a stress ball. Scan it for some healing motivation through the ceiling. You can bend it, squeeze it, switch it, squash it, toss it. It's a stress ball. Scan it for some healing motivation through the ceiling. You can get yours today at stressphone.com. And by the way, the stress phone is a black owned business. What else do you want us to know about the foundation? What else do you want us to know about you before we let you go? <laughs> I didn't, I didn't kept you hostage. I promise I wouldn't keep you on here all day. Uh, it's all good. It's, it's all good. Um, no, really, I'm, I'm just excited about the foundation. And you'll be able to share the pictures uh, with everyone that as far as everything that we're doing right now. And I think it's just, you know, we're excited about it here. Hopefully we get back at this new normal. Of course, Allegheny County here, they open up in a green phase. So everybody's excited to get out of the house and they want to go do something. So, you know, I'm trying to figure out what restaurant I'm going to go to because I'm like, I just want to get out the house. Um, But outside of that, and foundation wise, we're great. Home is great. Now it's just a matter of, you know, just trying to figure out getting out of this phase and moving and figure out what the heck the next 30, 60, 90 days looks like because I'm ready to start talking some football. I want to get, I want the season to happen. Obviously, we have to be cautious when we want to make sure everybody is healthy. I'm ready to start talking about it because I'm doing media. I do media with the, I do TV and radio with the Steelers. So I'm just I just want to be around some football and talk about it. Okay, so I'm sorry. I was just going to say, what is the correct thing for me to say? Is Charlie an analyst? Is Charlie a commentator? Because I know there's a dude. I've been corrected before. <laughs> well, I do both. I, I really do both because I, during the preseason, I'm actually a color commentator for the Steelers preseason games. So I do do that role. So that's my August role for the preseason. And then from there, once we get to the regular season, of course, national comes in and takes over. So I do a pregame TV show and uh, before the game. And then after the game, I jump on postgame radio and talk two hours of football afterward. Now I like it, but I don't love it. The only reason why I don't love it is because the Steelers play five night games a year. And when those games end is midnight here, I don't end until two 30 in the morning. It's a 30-minute ride from the studio back home. I'm looking at the clock at 3 o'clock. I'm like, okay, do I take an Ambien now? Do I not take one? Before <laughs> you know it, it's 4 o'clock, and I'm thinking that I'm okay, but my dogs are right there at 7 in the morning saying, I don't care what time you came in this morning. You need to let us out, and we got to eat at 7 o'clock in the morning, and that just disrupts the whole sleep. So by the time oh. I get up at 10 o'clock, man, I'm a zombie the rest of the day. I'm just like, oh, this is crazy. But that's why I don't love it. So when they flex the Steelers out of prime time, I'm like, yes. And the rest of Steelers Nation is like, no, I want to see it. <laughs> that's the difference between me finishing at 7 o'clock on, on a 1 o'clock game yeah. versus an 8 o'clock start finishing at 2.30 in the morning. Man, that's, that's, that's why I don't love it. Can, do you but, see, that's, but that's part of the job, you know? Do, could you imagine yourself playing potentially without no fans? What would that be like? Oh, that's tough. I mean, that's something that I'm looking back and I'm like, how can you do that? You know, it, it kind of takes you back to Pee Wee League, right? Not many people in stands. You can hear the snap count, everything going on right. at that point. But now the way that the NFL has players' microphone, you know, the, now I mean, players are smart enough that they know you say a certain audible so many times, they know which play is going and where the play is going to. So that's going to affect offenses maybe defenses more than anything so it's just from a communication standpoint each each team has to adapt but I can't imagine I, I I'm glad I don't have to be in that situation because there's nothing like it's one thing playing at home but there's nothing like going on a road mm-hmm. and fourth down and eight 
with two minutes left in the game, you have 70,000 fans yelling, trying to disrupt you. You complete a first down and you silence all of those fans. I mean, there's no better <laughs> feeling than that as a quarterback when you are on the road. And I was able to do that my last season against Baltimore in 2012. Who, whoever hit you the hardest in your luxurious career, who hit you the hardest? <laughs> For me, it was um, – I was in Detroit, and I remember playing against the San Diego Chargers. And you kind of see Rodney Harrison on one side. You see mm -hmm. Junior Seau on the other. And I see something kind of shaky. Something's not looking right on my left side. So I see Junior Seau going over there. I'm like, I changed the protection. So I let everybody know. I changed the protection. I turn my head to running back. Hey, Rodney Harrison's about to come off the edge. You better block him. So when you think you're blocked, you're a little bit more relaxed versus being tensed up when you know you're getting ready to get hit. So I'm relaxed. I'm dropping back. And all of a sudden, boom. I'm like, what happened? <laughs> Obviously, the running back didn't get the protection. He let Rodney Harrison go, and he let my back have it. Mm. And I felt that for a week. I could not get over that. And to this day, my back still hurts because of that hit. Oh, so man. when I see Rodney, I tell him, I say, man, you hit me so hard. He was like, ah, you're like, nothing personal, brother. Maybe it was, you know. So he's kind of – So we kind of we laugh about it. But, man, that play happened in 1999. That's, that's 21 years ago that that play happened, and I'm still feeling it in my back. And trust me, when this weather changes in Pittsburgh and I'm laying in the bed and all of a sudden I'm like, why well, is my back hurt? And I'm like, it's 15 degrees outside. It's cold. That's why. My, back, my body lets me know when it's cold and that arthritis just kicks in. That's, that's called getting old, Charlie. Getting that's old. true. That's true. <laughs> you're, you're right. You know, maybe I think sometimes, the, you know, you age in dog years when you play football. <laughs> so that's just, just my mentality. I, that, you know, but unfortunately, man, you know, you sit back, we're all facing with a situation that, hey, do you want to play or don't want to play, man? And I wouldn't change it for the world. I played this game since I was seven years old and I always laughed with my mom. I said, I did it for 31 years. And I joke with her because I'm like, you remember when I brought that football form home and you didn't want me to play and I was so little and she's like I just want you her whole goal my mom's whole goal was just I want you to go out there and get hit so hard that you come back and say baby I never want to play again mom <laughs> and, it actually, and it actually backfired on her <laughs> like here we are 31 years later and we're still playing the game and you're still cheering for me at an older age when you didn't want me to play at the age of seven so she tells everybody that story and we always joke about it my wife don't want my my, my, my sons to play she won't. Yeah, and everybody's different. You know, I was a, I was a small seven-year-old kid. I wasn't that big dude, and I never wanted to hit anybody. That's how I knew. I wasn't playing defense. I'm going on the offensive side. So at that point, you know, so I, you know, so that was that was just my story. And, of course, the game has changed. The game is a lot safer. You know, of yeah. course, they're going to continue to protect and do those type of things. But, again, the moms are the ones who ultimately make the decision in the household. So that's why you're seeing some of the messaging yeah. with the NFL targeting moms and women to let them know, hey, we want your baby to play ball because they know they're the ones ultimately that are going to make that decision, regardless of whether the fathers feel like their child should be doing. Well, it's something like 60% of all football fans are women. And a yeah. lot of those men who make it to the league are from single parent households. So I just got to give it up to my ladies right now because they always say the NFL and football is about men. No, 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 baby. We are your biggest <laughs> We are your biggest fans. Well, they are right, the biggest fans. Stay right there. Uh, do you think um, that you'll ever see – I know they were talking about, like, it's kind of hard to have a, a, a female head coach just because of the locker room. But what about a, a woman offensive coordinator or 
defensive coordinator or something like that. Because they're yeah, typically I, up up in the box and everything, and they're, and it's really just all about decision making and what you see right. versus. So I can see that. What about you? Absolutely, I can. And, and, and before I answer that question, but just Cherry's point is the fact that the number one fan base for women is Steelers. So they know that there's a large female population that way. So there's a lot of marketing that's earmarked toward the women, especially in the Steelers organization. But back to your point as it relates to women coaching in the NFL. Just a couple years ago, there was a young lady by the name of Jen Welters who actually was the first female coach in the National Football League when she was with the Arizona Cardinals that's when right. she was named an assistant were for them under coach head coach Bruce Arians, who ultimately was here in Pittsburgh as well as an offensive coordinator. So he's opening up those doors. And it's fantastic that Bruce Arians is doing that because he ended up trying to bring her to Tampa, you know, wanted to kind of hopefully, you know, work up the ranks and those types of things, but it's difficult. But the one thing that I can credit Bruce Arians on is the fact that he is giving women and minorities opportunities. When you look back, and we already talked about the number of head coach, black head coaches in the National Football League, Bruce Arians is the only head coach in the National Football League right now that has two black coordinators. Mm. And one of them is right. Byron Leftwich that played here at quarterback here with me in Pittsburgh. So he's calling the plays, and he led a quarterback in Jameis Winston to over 5,000 yards passing. Now, he's not there, but they replaced him with Tom Brady down there. But I say all of that to say – Bruce Arians is giving player, giving people chances, not a, and that includes women as well. And that's a big credit to Bruce Arians because he's like, listen, I coached a long time. My legacy is what I pass on, and he's doing a fantastic job of that. And pay, you know, I want people to pay attention to that down in Tampa this year. Yeah, I could talk to you all night, man. I don't want to talk your ear off, man. <laughs> we'll let you go, Charlie. But I can't wait for this season to start i can't wait to watch you continue to do your thing and i can't wait to watch you know i'm gonna try to do my right thing so y'all can do my background check and i'm gonna send in my paperwork and stuff so i can volunteer but i am just gonna open that door to the batch foundation mm -hmm. and walk in <laughs> no it, it's it's open for you and like i said you were there i mean you, you know where we're at and it's we're not hard to find so when you come back hopefully you make it a point that you're back uh -huh. more than more than a week a couple weeks because i want I want these young women to get a chance to learn who you are and spend some time and quality time around you. So I want uh -huh. that. So the opportunity is, is definitely there. And tell little mama at home, I said hello, because she is getting so big. <laughs> sure well, and Charlie gave me game. You know, little mama plays. She does taekwondo. But he told me that in a few years, I need to have her play volleyball. Mm -hmm. And so I'm going to remember what Charlie said and she's going to be playing some volleyball. Absolutely. That's her ticket to go ahead and go to college. You'll be, I want her to go play volleyball. She's getting long. And when you get back and I just remember being at Eastern Michigan, man, I had two of my closest friends, they played volleyball and they were on that team and they were on full ride scholarships. So when the football team went and got their books, they were right in line and they received their books and they walked out of there with zero debt in there uh, that they owe to the school and i always want to pass it on and it's just great to be able to see these young women succeeding and i tell you that, that young lady from baylor man i went they had the final four in volleyball here in pittsburgh uh, uh, uh during the winter and baylor was playing wisconsin and, and that young lady was balling she made me a fan and that's just something that you know you want to continue to go out there and see people you know compete have fun and it's just great to be able to see people do that so i say all that to say Little mom in a couple of years, we're going to get her into some personal training with volleyball.
Absolutely. And she says she wants to go to Baylor. So it works out perfect. Charlie, she comes up to here. She's five. She's five years old. She is more than half my size at five. So I might have a six footer on her hands. Uh, hey, that's it. That's even better. Trust me. Hey, hey Charlie, this don't have to be for the show, man. But can you... I want to. I want to be able to throw a spiral, man. I can't throw a spiral for shit, man. I can't throw <laughs> one, man. It's the way I can't. your fingers placement and what you do when you release the ball. Come on. Man. A lot of I it's can't. like it's like I always give this analogy. It's like basketball, right? You give you shoot. If your form kind of stays here, you're like, oh, you're probably going to miss. But when you follow through, chances are it's going to make. It's no different throwing that football. When you're throwing a spiral, you don't want to stop here. If you're right-handed, follow through and act like you want to touch your left knee. Follow through, touch your left knee, because that's going to give you the spiral. If you're left-handed, touch your right knee. And that's something that's really going to get you to a point. And you can over-exaggerate it a little bit, but once it becomes natural, that's kind of that natural reaction that you're going to have when you throw that football. See, now I got to watch him do it, because if you throw the football at the ground, if you let go late, I'm laughing. <laughs> yeah, and that's it. But think about, you know, he might you – know, I'm not sure exactly where you're located at, Courtney. Where you, where I'm, you I'm in Chicago, at? Chicago. So, you know, that weather changes, right? It's no yeah. different than Pittsburgh. That wind starts blowing. So mm -hmm. you need to get a tight foul to be able to cut that ball through the wind and be right. able to make it in place with accuracy. So that's one of those things for sure. You want to make sure that you over-exaggerate it, that you can uh, uh, make sure you get to your left knee. If you over-exaggerate it, that tight foul will come. And make sure you keep practicing because we'll play a little catch. I want to make sure – you know, you, you, your form is right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to make sure come home with me because I want to play ball with the boys. For those of you that don't know, Kelly told you a couple weeks ago, I'm a tomboy. And so I live for this. And I'm <laughs> right now. Just, he come to Pittsburgh. He come to Pittsburgh. There's a field across, right across the, uh, the way from the foundation. Those okay. kids will let you know. They were open. If you don't get it to them and put it on with money, you know, put it on the money, they're going to talk about you. Come on, man, I was open. What are you doing? <laughs> You know the yeah, kids. They're gonna be they talking about me. Then. Yeah, they don't. They don't have. They don't have a filter. Trust me. I was playing with one kid, and he was kind of running, and I didn't get the ball there. He walked back. He said, "Man," and he was only eight years old, and he meant this. He said, "Man, you're the worst quarterback I've ever played with in my life." <laughs> <laughs> I, wow. I'm looking at him. Disregard 15 years of the NFL. It didn't matter. He said, "Man, you're the worst quarterback I've ever played with in my life." <laughs> oh, <Wow>. my bad. <laughs> I've been done. In the grass. <laughs> but I, of course, I felt some tight way. I, like, I should just drill this ball at him. But, nah, but, but, as you, but, but as you know, but as you know, your receivers make you look better, a lot better than what they're going to, what you make them look. So I had to make sure I put the ball on the money next time. He came back after that. He was like, you are, right. you redeemed yourself. <laughs> <Damn>. <laughs> <laughs> kids with sun nose, man. <laughs> yes, they are. <laughs> man. I love, it. I love you and I love your spirit, Charlie. Thank you so much. <laughs> oh, no problem. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Welcome to Cherry's World. Brought to you by Less Is More Events. Get Lime. 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 What's up? It's Ocean. What's up? It's your man, Crucial. Make sure you guys check out our new single on September 18th, Do What I Want. It's going to be available on all platforms. Make sure you check it out, download it, share it, dance, have a good time. And make sure you check us out on Cherry's World Podcast Live. Watch the full interview now with Pins Deep on the official Cherry Johnson YouTube page.
Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.